0: But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. I felt like I was a particularly awkward child growing up, prone to making a fool of myself. It seemed like if I were in a group setting and I could make a misstep that would earn me a heaping dose of derision, well, then I would probably make it. I have a couple of memories from childhood into young adulthood that my mind brings up from time to time to torment me when I feel inclined to reflect on how together I have things now. The worst among them, though, is when I was 11 or 12 at an award ceremony for some after-school activity or another, certain that my name was about to be called to receive an award I knew I deserved. I began to stand up, only to hear my brother's name called instead. I was embarrassed at what I then thought was my humiliation, though now I'm sure no one noticed or even remembers that it happened. I was angry because I was sure that I had been denied something I deserved and now with the benefit of time and growth I know that I did not in fact deserve the award it was just the unchecked pride of youth this is something like what Jesus is warning against in the parable told in today's gospel lesson St. Luke tells us that Jesus was at a dinner with a ruler of the Pharisees surely an honor to even be invited where influential men in the culture of the place and time would be in attendance The very first verse of the reading also tells us that the other guests were watching him carefully. At this dinner hosted by an influential man, certainly attended by other influential men, Jesus sees that the other guests are arranging themselves according to their honor. Now, I'm not exactly sure what is meant here, the specifics of how they chose the places of honor. I kind of envision a muted scramble to get to the best seats with variously smug and annoyed looks, depending on who managed to get the better seat or who had to settle for a lesser. It may even be that Jesus' parable is in response to something like what he describes happening. Perhaps someone placed themselves in a place of honor and the host disagreed with their self-assessment. However, we are not told this, so if this is what happened, it is just as likely that the host let their seating stand, whether he agreed with it or not. Whatever way it was that they chose their seats, the emphasis was on maximizing their honor. In the culture of the ancient Near East, as in many cultures today, the honor-shame dynamic was as vital to life as bread and water. If you could claim honor, then whatever you needed would be given to you. If, on the other hand, you were shamed, then you might find that you had no friends. Or what friends you did have would not help you for fear of getting tangled up in your humiliation. It is into this context that Jesus tells the parable of the wedding feast about how it is better to choose the lower seat so that you can be moved to a better seat rather than choosing the highest seat and inevitably brought low. This parable seems straightforward enough. If you value your honor, the greater honor is in being exalted by someone else. That seems to be our takeaway from it, that we should be humble so that we can be exalted. While this seems like good and sensible advice, I want to plainly state this is more of a command than a statement of what one ought to do. Our Lord doesn't say it's not a good idea to take the place of honor. He says do not take the place of honor. Why? Is it because he is so concerned for our sense of pride? In one sense, Yes, but hardly in the way most of us would probably think. In a very real sense, ever since the fall in the garden and the ensuing exile into the pitiless world where death seems to reign, humanity has been constantly dishonoring itself. We whose blood remembers walking in the garden with our creator ran to other things of seeming importance and power. Entire books of the Hebrew scriptures are devoted to telling the story of how even those humans that God chose a special people, uh, that God chose a special people, found deeper and darker pits of shame and dishonor to wallow in. We heard some of that summed up today in the uh, uh, reading from Sirach. What was it that we sought that kept driving us further and further from glory and honor, true glory and true honor that only comes from God's favor? It certainly wasn't that we sought our own shame or that we desired to be in the lowest place. No, it was the opposite. Listening to the adversary's voice that one time when he told Adam that God was afraid that he would become like him, humanity seeks to attain its own honor, drinking deeply from the poisoned well of pride. We also sense that we have lost much as a result of the fall and we strive to gain it all back some of us strive by listening to the creator who loves us and sent his word to us many many more vainly try to attain lost honor through their own schemes and merits one of the many symptoms of this terminal disease is the seeking after public acknowledgement of honor and the phobic avoidance of shame and disgrace what jesus witnessed at the dinner he attended was just one manifestation of this old disease Jesus, being the great physician, prescribes to us a certain remedy for how to overcome pride and regain our lost honor before God. He tells the dinner guests to seek the lowest place, not to have an upside down mad scramble to the place of shame. That would just be another iteration of the illness. Instead, he tells us to quietly take the lowest place at the table, sincerely believing that it is all we are owed. If the host elevates us to a more honorable place, then we are favored and count ourselves blessed. If not, then we are still attending a great banquet. We are more fortunate than all of those outside looking on with envy. I am, of course, unpacking some meaning here that isn't said explicitly. However, I feel secure in saying it this way, because even though Jesus doesn't precisely say these words, the gospel reveals this layered and unspoken meaning the example jesus gives us is one of utmost humility again and again he is faced with opportunities to rightly appropriate the glory and honor due to him and over and over he chooses the path of humility he finally takes the lowest seat of all for all that was lifted up from the earth in mockery of his final glory the cross is not just a cruel means of killing someone It is a shameful and reproachful way to die. Rome took great pains to make it clear that no honorable person died by crucifixion. It was a death reserved for criminals, brigands, rebels, utter scum of the earth. In the law of Moses, someone who died by hanging from a tree was counted cursed by God. Surely you cannot cannot have more shame than that. If we did not know the rest of the story, we would very likely have joined in with those dismissive of his teachings. For who would want to follow someone who had allowed themselves to be so marked with dishonor? Thanks be to God that the gospel doesn't end there, else it could hardly be called good news. Having taken the lowest place before men, Jesus is glorified first in his resurrection, and then his ascension into heaven. The wonder of all this is that in mapping the parable back to the greater salvation narrative, we are faced with the fact that Jesus is no mere guest attending the wedding banquet. He is the the bridegroom. He is the host, as he attests to again and again in multiple parables. Realizing this, The whole scene at the dinner should change immediately in our minds. Think about who is in attendance, the ruler of the Pharisees, surely other influential men in the synagogue and around the city, and Jesus of Nazareth. Outwardly, we are told elsewhere that his appearance and dress did not mark him out as anything special. To the other guests, he was likely seen as just an upstart wandering rabbi, whose only claim to fame was that the crowds loved him I would be surprised if he factored at all into their calculations about where to sit in places of honor. The irony is that he was the only one in their midst worthy of any of the honored places. As the bridegroom, he is the one who would be coming to elevate those who place themselves too low, or lowering those that chose inappropriately high seats. The parable, then, is not merely about the virtue of humility, though certainly that does play a part and we should heed this virtue. This parable is yet another revelation of the hidden secret of Jesus' identity. He is the bridegroom, the host of the wedding banquet, the only one worthy of choosing the seats of honor. All other efforts to claim and dispense honor and glory are acts of presumption and will ultimately ultimately, be brought to nothing. So it is that all who exalt themselves will be humbled. But to those who trust in the bridegroom, who do not presume to take what is his to give to themselves or their friends, they will find themselves brought into the nearer presence of God, for he who humbles himself will be exalted. The colleague for this week asks God that his grace may always precede and follow after us. This is a petition we cannot receive except in humility. Grace is by definition unmerited favor. So only those who rightly account themselves unworthy are fit to receive it. By this, I don't mean that we continually beat ourselves down with our, un- with our unworthiness, but simply acknowledge that it is not through anything we have done that we receive God's grace. Someone who exalts themselves in their own sight by saying that they have done good and of course deserve God's favor cannot apprehend grace as they are seeking a transactional relationship with God. Over this next week, I encourage you to think about the ways you are given opportunities to choose the lower seat. If you are in a high-profile meeting or fancy dinner party, that may literally mean choosing a seat that seems less desirable at first glance. Maybe it means refraining from voicing an opinion on something you are very knowledgeable about until asked to speak on it. Maybe it simply means treating every person you come across as if they were the most important person in the room. While you are doing that, also ask God to highlight areas in your life where the sickness of pride is intruding and ask God for humility to overcome the deadly dangers of self-exaltation. It is better to be humble than to be humbled. May we trust in the Bridegroom, who will restore all honor to our humble lives, defeating the infection of satanic pride in us, so that we can join him as honored guests at the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. Amen.